So, Harry. Yeah. Uh, you got married recently. Yes. It was middling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you bitch. If, if you were crazy rich, like yeah. money, money is no object. The, the characters in this film level rich. Yeah. What would you have done differently about your wedding day, if anything? Hmm. I think I would have... Uh, I would have hired a fleet of helicopters, mm -hmm. blow away all the clouds. Oh, that's nice. It wasn't that bad. No, no, no. A, bit, a little bit. You can never have too much sun sure, on, yeah. okay. on, on, on your wedding in November. Mm. Or I could have taken a trip on Elon Musk's spaceship and been the first couple to get married in space. I don't, do you, I don't believe that's been done yet. Do you think Louise would really have been up for that? <laughs> not in her current state. No, no. no. Not, not, not eight months pregnant. Probably, no. probably not. Uh, or I guess I could probably just do exactly how it went because it was a it was a very brilliant day. Mm -hmm. But just do the whole thing in three inches of water. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's, <laughs> clearly that's the classy way to go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's the last thing I'd want for a wedding. I like, will sort of save it. We'll talk about that scene. I've got many okay, thoughts okay, about okay, that wedding. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I'm glad your your wedding was not water based in no. many ways. No. Welcome back, everybody, to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where today we are pitching prequels, sequels, and spin-off ideas to crazy rich Asians. We'll also be pitching some drinking games and hearing other sequel pitches from our Twitter followers. But first, we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments from the original movie and catch you up with a bit of a plot summary. I'm Harry, the host with the most, Crazy Wife. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, she'd give her a break. She's about to pop. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm joined today by Finn and Mel, the guests with the best internet connection. Or we hope. Yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Hi guys. I mean, we have invested a lot of money in Vodafone uh, broadband, so I'd like to hope it's going to last this conversation. <laughs> Hopefully. And joining me as always, the host with the most education, he's good damn words, it's John Lucas. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> so, Finn, Crazy Rich Asians, Mel, what do you think? Why did you pick it, I guess, is the first question, yeah? Well, I guess, we sh I guess you should answer this question. Since yeah. you're the main picker of this film. Well, it's just because it's the only rom-com that Finn likes. Oh. We've seen it at the cinema when it came out, and it's the only film that he hasn't criticized in any way. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, it's like, yeah. So, so Finn... No, you know what? Okay. Is, is this the perfect okay, movie? No, then? I'm going to defend myself here. <laughs> I'm going to defend myself here. Um, bless rom-coms. They're an important <laughs> genre to the wide exciting world of cinema mm. but a lot of the time i mean especially for me growing up it's very hard to relate to a lot of these situations that these people are placed in because they live in some weird exotic place or they have this sort of crazy expensive lifestyle which you know obviously the characters in this film do have but what i like about this film and it sounds really dumb but in being set in singapore and having characters who are not just white mm -hmm. it immediately gives me this sense of oh, well, actually, these are characters and situations that remind me a little bit of, of my upbringing, having lived in Southeast Asia for five years. Mm -hmm. And so in that regard, it's a very tiny little thing, but it just, it makes a huge difference mm -hmm. to me. And I think, as it has to a lot of people who've gone and seen this film. Mm -hmm. So were you watching this film and thinking, yeah, this was my life. This was my life <laughs> when I was growing up. This is very similar. <laughs> <laughs> no! This was his family. Yeah. <laughs> 
mean, if anybody on this podcast right now is like secretly a billionaire, Finn, my money's on you. (laughs) 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 Oh, I wish I was secretly a billionaire. I think I think to quote um, Henry Golding in this film, it's uh, it's. Oh, we're not rich. We're comfortable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's always that's always the line that gets used in that sort of thing. <laughs> I like how she called him out on it immediately. Just like that's what yeah. somebody would say yeah. if they were super rich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think of this? Yeah, I thought I, I think we saw this in the cinema when it came out, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. I think we were the only people in the cinema, if I remember correctly. <laughs> it was a weird one, but um. Yeah, I I enjoyed this. I know, and I can't say I related to it particularly, but mm-hmm. um, I enjoyed watching it. I, I think <laughs> you're right. It's kind of it's one of those rom coms where you it shouldn't work, but it does mm-hmm. because it's such an insane world of privilege that this film is depicting, and it's cartoonish. It's cartoon. It, it is. Ca- I think that's why it works because it is cartoonish and it's not trying to not be cartoonish. Yeah, I, I think Finn, you 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 you're, you're right in that. Uh... All the other rom-coms, they're always just people in these really privileged situations, but it's just put across as though that's normal. Mm. And it's not. It's like this film <laughs> says the quiet part out loud. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, no, this is not normal, but mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's that's the point of it. <laughs> yeah. And it's considering it's two hours and ten minutes long, like it, it really clips along nicely. It's yeah, got yeah. a really good pace to it because the plot's pretty pretty thin. Like If you actually like pinned down the exact sequence of events there's not really a whole lot that happens mm-hmm. but it's just kind of all very colorful and you know fun and i think the cast really helps it's a very charismatic cast mm-hmm. um and it, yeah I, I fully enjoyed re-watching this actually mm. yeah. yeah what about you harry uh yeah no i really enjoyed it too mm. i forgot almost everything about it well that's not nothing unusual for you that's a good point <laughs> isn't it? sorry i forgot that i've said that before yeah <laughs> uh yeah, so it was it was nice watching it for what fell out like the first time. <laughs> uh, no, I really enjoyed it. It was a, it was a very good time. There's a lot of characters though. There is a, there are a lot of characters, although most of them don't particularly matter. Like they no, they, they, there's only really a, a, the main plot that kind of and then there's some other plots. Like the Gemma Chan plot line feels like they just cut ninety percent of it out and just left a, a couple of scenes in. It felt, it felt like that was a whole different movie happening in the sidelines. But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, when when she gets like a big scene at the end, I was like, well. Okay, okay, this kind of feels like it's come out of nowhere. <laughs> mm, yeah. But uh, yeah, but I know what you mean. It's it's a very packed cast and it's uh I wouldn't I don't think it was actually that expensive to make, considering like what it depicts in terms of the Well they had to hire out a lot of Singapore for a lot of it. Sure, sure, sure. But I I, I think the budget <laughs> was, was was only like fifty odd million rather than like okay. you know, two hundred million. Like mm. I think they they made a little bit go a long way. Mm. I mean, like sometimes you can tell they were not crazy rich producers. Crazy rich producers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like crazy inventive producers. Like, is, I could... that, is that the behind the behind the scenes documentary? I totally watched that movie. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you can kind of tell. Like, there's a scene where the girls are on a kind of hen party slash free shopping spree, and they're all screaming. It's all going to be high fashion, and then they're all just pulling clothes off racks in a very tight close up. Like, I thought they were going to run into like this giant <laughs> mall, you know, like, this just giant you know super mall. Mm-hmm. But no, they're just like literally like on the a costume sound... department. Wheeled these in. Well, they're on a sound stage, just like pulling clothes off coat hangers. Yeah, it doesn't look that expensive. But... No. Uh, yeah, no, it was it was a it was it was a good time. I, I think this is a good film. I'm surprised that a sequel hasn't materialized yet. Actually, yeah, yeah, because there are. It's have you read the I books I've review or? Yeah, I did. I read the first book. I didn't get around, around like to the second book, mm. 
But from what I know, the second book is about one of the other characters. Mm -hmm. And it goes back like to China. It's not a direct sequel to the Crazy Rich Asians and to Mm -hmm. Henry Golding's character and everything. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. Uh Yeah, so maybe they'll retool the sequel to make it a bit more close to the original. Because I've I've heard that it's being produced, Mm -hmm. but I think they've had some, obviously, coronavirus. And I think they've had some issues with the writers as well. So, Um, yeah, but I'm I'm sure it will come because this film made a huge amount of money. Welcome aboard, Mr. Young, Miss Chu. Here's the way to your private suite. And some champagne. Thank you very much. You're welcome. After takeoff, would you like to enjoy the lounge chairs? Should we convert your suite into a bedroom? Uh, we're good, thank you. Enjoy. Nick, we can't afford this. These pajamas are fancier than any of my real clothes. My family has business with the airline. The tickets, they're a perk. What kind of business? Real estate, investment, other things. Nothing interesting. Dim sum. So your family is, like, rich? Um, We're comfortable. That is exactly what a super rich person would say. Do you guys want to kind of take us through a bit of a plot summary? Or, or if you guys We've just... come prepared. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, you guys can always say, oh, but John, you do it so well. <laughs> it always works. Yeah, but that's the thing. We, you know, we're big fans of the podcast and we listen and we feel very bad for John always Thank being... Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Always <laughs> being left with the plot summary. So I did... I did go through this film and Melanie was in charge of finding the drinking game subjects and I just wrote down every single scene that took place <laughs> with a little arrow that depicted going into the next scene. So we've come we've come research prepared Fabulous. on this. Cool, cool. Um, before I get started, I also just want to say about the, the characters thing. It's, as well as there being kind of a lot of characters, it hits that ensemble feel of a cast really, really well. And I think we can't overstate this enough that Gemma Chan and Henry Goulding would not have as much of a career as they have in the British sector without this film. And also, I think any British Asian actors, or even American Asian actors, in the case of Aquafina, who come into the sector as a result of, you know, a a role they've done, owe a lot to, to Crazy Rich Asians. Because before that, I mean... It was slim, slim pickings in terms of what was available, and I think we have to we have to give this film a lot of credit for introducing us and making audiences more kind of open to seeing some of these performers on on screen. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah, it wasn't. I believe it was the, quoted as being the first like Western produced all Asian mainstream film to come out in like twenty years or something. So yeah, these these things don't come along very That's often, and hopefully isn't will. It? I mean, obviously, Shang Chi has recently been a huge money maker, so hopefully that is a sign as well that things are move, are changing and becoming more more open. But uh, yeah, absolutely, and I, f- I think I, like like you say, one of the main strengths I think for this film is even the even the tiny like roles, even the characters are in like one or two scene scenes are played by like really charismatic people. So that I think that really elevates it a lot. Anyway, to plot summary, mm-hmm. do you want to go one yeah, and one first. or do okay, yeah, brilliant. Sure. I'll go first. So the film opens on a on a black screen with a Napoleon quote: "China is a sleeping giant. Let her sleep. For when she wakes, she will shake the world." Mm. Which I can't tell if it's a compliment <laughs> or a slightly racist dig 
at China. But anyway, that's that's where we start. <laughs> yeah, that that's that was a very like portentous opening. That's the kind of thing that you'd expect for a film that's then going to be like a war epic or something. Else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's London in 1995. Mm. We see. The young family entering a high-end hotel. I think it's the Koto. And they have a reservation. She's asking to be shown to her room, but she's turned away by the staff. That's obviously racist because they ask her to go, like, look for a place in Chinatown that would be (laughs) more suitable for them, according to the staff. This is, like, cartoonishly racist, these evil British hotel owners. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's All like they need so is the moustaches. <laughs> but see, this is the thing even about something like that, right? Like, we have we have so many conversations about uh, about racism mm-hmm. in the world that, that sometimes I think, you know, you have to be... It's almost seen as, like, you have to be outwardly racist. You have to call people a specific sort of slang term in order to be specifically offensive. I'm sure there are people in 1995 in hotels like that who did that and thought it was perfectly fine and perfectly appropriate, not realising that, you know, even though it's depicted in a quite a cartoonish way, mm. it, in the real world, it's quite subtle. Oh, for the sure, way yeah. that things like that are, are put across, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'm really, I'm really appreciative of this film for kind of flagging that up the way that it does. Oh, yeah, definitely. So they're forced to get out of the hotel, but she gets back at them by calling the owner who sells them the, the hotel. So when they come back, just a few minutes after being um, rejected from, by the staff, it turns out that the young family has bought the hotel. Oh, that, so they're now all working for them. That is, that is quite the mic drop that this movie opens on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Michelle That's Yeo. That's when you know they're crazy. So yeah, This is Michelle Yeo who's playing um, a 20 years younger version of herself than she plays later in the movie. Oh, yeah, I didn't really think about that. But it, she pulls... I don't even know if they've done, done anything digitally she just pulls it off i mean she's an incredibly beautiful woman she's at that age right now she's at the upper end of that age right now where she looks the same age from about the last 30 years sure 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 you know she now she (laughs) could be well well, like she could be playing somebody in her you know mid to late 30s which i think she was at the start but like Mm -hmm. she also looks like she could easily play someone in her 50s or 60s -hmm. she's Um, just a very strikingly attractive woman yeah but i I just yeah yeah, she's she just looks fantastic in this scene mm -hmm. I mean, the disclaimer is she's also standing next to a bunch of kids yeah. for much of this scene. So, <laughs> that helps, yeah. You know. <laughs> We've then flash forward to 2018 NYU and uh, we, meet, uh, we meet Rachel, who is a professor of economics in the middle of a poker game, um, which later turns out to be a lecture on uh, game theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had some I had some questions about this this course that she's teaching. So, is, are they just watching her play a full blown game of poker just just to like teach a very yeah, uh, roundabout point about game theory? Yeah, I was also thinking like, how long did this poker game go on for? Because obviously, yeah. we tune in at the very end. Yeah, but like, because also the way the room is set up, the room is set up to watch this like hexagonal table, mm-hmm. and the room is in a hexagon, so it's like a purpose built room for things to happen on that table what else of the economics <laughs> course happens just on that table like is it, it's just poker isn't it it's i always lo- i love it in movies when you have like characters are, when our main character is some kind of professor they're always like they yeah. always teach english or something or, or, or in this one economics but like it's always such bullshit mm-hmm. <laughs> 
It's always absolute nonsense. Yeah. yeah. I would love if after all the students left, they just held poker tournaments in that room. Yeah. yeah. That'd be quite fun. <laughs> Is gambling even legal in New York? I have no idea. Because I know there's like certain parts of America where it's really not legal to do. So I also wonder, like, what would have happened to the rest of her class if she lost that hand? Yeah, it would have been really embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, guys, I was going to show you a point, but yeah. I'll, 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 I, I know it took 45 minutes to get here, but I'll just tell you instead. And so just imagine that I won that. <laughs> Particularly because she would have lost a lot of money in yeah. the context of that game. <laughs> yeah, because she like tips him one chip at the end and she's got like a whole stack of them. So it probably wasn't like fake chips, like, oh, this is just one penny per chip. You know, because then be, the the tip would be nothing. It must be must have been worth it. So she must have this won. This is your tuition. You're gambling. <laughs> yeah, she must have won like at least hundreds of him. <laughs> well, Ash. So then we see Rachel on a date with Nick, played by Henry Golding, and they're arguing about dessert. But we see in the background that a bunch of young women have spotted them and taking pictures and tweeting calling each other and how we see how this news that just happened and him just, he just told her, oh, should we go to Singapore? Mm -hmm. You should come to the wedding with me, meet my family. And this news from like in five minutes reaches Eleanor. All back to like Singapore. Everybody knows. I loved this little montage. It really helped set the scene for the movie. Just Mm -hmm. telling you like what this movie's going to be like, how it's made sort of thing. When it's just all weird and... You know, all the panels coming in and graphics on screen and stuff like that. Oh. It was just fun. Yeah, the the way it literally... Tri- so he's... this Henry Golding's character, we, we learn, is this incredibly rich. And he's very famous in the, in this kind of Asian, super wealthy community that Rachel has no knowledge of whatsoever. So these two people, uh, these two young women take a photo of him. And, and it's like we see it travel around the Asian social media. Just going, mm-hmm. and, and it's the point where it reaches her mother who's in Singapore, I believe, doing a Bible reading. Yeah. And there's a whole long <laughs> scene where she has a discussion with all of her friends. And then she calls her son and like, pick, and he picks up the phone. And she's like, so you're seeing a new girl? And he's literally still at the same bar eating yeah. the same meal. It's like this, <laughs> it's traveled around the world in two and a half minutes. Like, it's great. But like, that's the tone of this movie that like really heightened, slightly silly where you just, I think this scene is perfect for just being like, okay, like I say, this is what this movie is going to be like. Just go with it. Just strap in and enjoy the ride. Because Yeah, because like before that, <laughs> You know, when you got the whole Michelle Yeoh in the hotel mm. thing and, and like, that's fun, but it's not quite assured me that this is going to be a good time all, all round. Mm-hmm. But then when you have this scene, it's like, no, no, you can relax. This is going to be fun all the way through. You just know it. Um, and, you know, it, it takes takes it to new heights later on when it introduces more characters. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and we already see that begin in the in the Bible circle because there, there are these sorts of comments that are made immediately about who this person is and what Nick thinks he's doing and if Nick's coming back. And then the mum rings Nick and suggests Rachel stay somewhere else, which immediately sets the tone of like, okay, the mum is not going to to play ball here. And and we already we already get a sense as to what this relationship is is going to be like for the course of the film. Well, especially that we see then Rachel and the mum and her mum picking out the wardrobe and they have no idea. She's basically being set up. She thinks she's just going to visit a normal like family, mm. like her family. And it's like foreshadowing everything that's going to happen later. How, I, I, I was, how have you dated this man for a full year? If he's this level of famous in this very specific circle of people, mm-hmm. 
and he's this wealthy, like, and he's never like the. There's a lot of lies being told to her. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think also what the kind of very subtle statement that gets made, and again, maybe I'm just going dramaturgically too far into this, is that you know, the four of us probably couldn't name any Singaporean celebrities mm -hmm. or people who are wealthy, but we have Singaporean friends that could list, you know, plenty if you gave them the time to just reel off a laundry list. Mm -hmm. And I think this also speaks to how, you know, in the West, we're so caught up in our own worlds and we exist almost as if like the West is the only bubble that, that really matters and our singers and our celebrities, they're the only ones and we just expect everybody else in the world to kind of know who they are. Mm -hmm. And then you see how famous and wealthy people are, well, not people, but like celebrities in, in China and India and Southeast Asia. <laughs> Well, yes, but but you appreciate that it's it's a totally new and different environment of mm. fame and and wealth, and I think I think that little detail, as much as it's kind of like really, you haven't known that this person was super famous and wealthy all this time. It also kind of makes that point, which I really appreciate. Mm -hmm. Eleanor, is Nikki bringing a girl to Colin's wedding? My Amanda heard it from my friend Francesca. Eddie says her name is Rachel Chu. Oh, I thought that Nick was coming alone. Did you know he had a girlfriend? Nick dates many girls. It's hard to keep track. Amanda knows everyone and she has never heard of her. Rachel Chu. Or maybe she's from the Taiwan Plastics Chu family. If you want, I have a private investigator. Very discreet. I think we should return to the word of God. So, then they, then they bought their flights. Um, we get this brilliant scene of uh, them turning up at the airport in a cab and she's got her kind of kitchen made foil wrap sandwiches and they get whisked away to what is actually defined as uh, the suite of the, the airplane. And this is based off an actual, well, all the airline based stuff in this film is based off Singapore Airlines and Singapore Airlines do have a sort of suite type sort of four wall-ish mm -hmm set up on their on their planes which they're basically completely uh ripping off which is basically our well it's rachel's introduction as to exactly what she's getting herself into on yeah. this trip yeah it's insane mm -hmm. it's absolutely <laughs> insane the first class section they've got in this in, in this <laughs> plane it made me realize that I'm not sure I've ever been on a plane that even has a first-class section. Oh, not no. like this, no, for sure. No, yeah. no, no, definitely not, definitely not like this, <laughs> but I mean at all. Yeah. Like the last plane I went on, I'm pretty sure I could see the front and the back of the plane <laughs> from my seat. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have sweets on Ryanair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think there's like a super wealthy, a super rich class for the Ryanair flights to Corfu, Harry. I think no. you probably, no. it's probably quite egalitarian. <laughs> <laughs> They but should like, look into that. But like, yeah. like if, if you think about trains, most yeah. trains have a first-class section. Sure, yeah. it's not super fancy, no. but it's still a specific first-class section. Mm -hmm. But nah. Yeah, this is the this is one of the this is the first of many scenes when I was like, I feel like Rachel should be reacting more to this because mm -hmm. like she seems yeah. to kind of she kind of goes, oh, we can't afford this, can we? But like, if, if this was imagine if this was you and your partner, like Louise dragged you into like this <laughs> section of the plane would you not just be hyperventilating at the amount of money you might be like yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely yeah. like, <laughs> it's yeah. like tens of thousands of dollars i think to be in these kind of yeah. spaces i yeah. wouldn't be like oh he must be rich yeah <laughs> I, I'd, I'd be much more like 
we could spend this money on so many. We other need to things. get off here right now. <laughs> put a driveway in the house, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> conservatory. <laughs> that's what you go straight to the conservatory. That's what I. That's what I would spend the lottery winnings on. Well, well welcome to marriage. <laughs> I'm very domesticated right now. So we're introduced <laughs> to the rest of the family. And I think I've got written down, we have a, a Taiwan-based film director. We have a kind of finance head type person based in Hong Kong. And then we have Gemma Chan, who's a, I've put philanthropist, question mark. <laughs> I guess she doesn't work. She's a socialite. She buys jewelry, yeah. Or she wears jewelry uh, that people, all, well, that, that she, yeah, she, she buys a very in, exceedingly expensive jewelry that she gets at like, at cost because she's so such a powerful socialite that her wearing the jewelry adds value to the jewelry so mm. yeah i mean i do get that but also like if the other two are having to work well they don't have i don't think anyone has to, to work, work. what like, they just do it for the they, heck of it yeah. like the film director we see he's bad he's horrible <laughs> but he's paying for the film he's producing the film just like they don't have to work they mm. just want to work in positions of power just you know fair enough for status. fair enough but i think also the the one who who's like the the chairman of a business or something is that not the family business that's isn't that Gemma shan's husband yeah the one yeah. who has the affair and, and it, it does establish with, that with, he's with, not as rich as she is is, and it, the, is, is it him the, with with the three kids and they pose for the oh no 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 that's a different relative sorry no. yeah yeah is, is, what, what's he is he one of the children or is he a cousin or what i can't remember but this was the other so, thing that really confused yeah, me about so this part. Yeah, so they're all, from what I understood and from the book, it's like they're all cousins. Mm, they're all different right. parts of the family because Henry Golding has no brother or sister. He's the only one. And mm. that's why he's kind of the favorite. He's the only child. Mm -hmm. And it looks like he might be the oldest who might take the family business and like do, do the work. That's what they're expecting, at least. Mm. Yeah. And then... After that, we meet the bride and groom at the airport. They pick them up and you have your fun. Yes, my fact. fun East Coast Parkway fact. So the, the highway <laughs> that they drive down in this film from the airport is called the East Coast Parkway. Mm -hmm. And although we don't see this in the film, there's a section of that road um, where there are no trees. Because most of it is you've got one road, you've got the other road, and then you've got a row of trees kind of right down the middle that's a kind of barrier. Mm. But there's a section where there aren't any trees. And the reason that there aren't is because it was designed in such a way whereby if, if Singapore ever came under attack and for some reason the airport was cut off, that they could move all the plant pots that are normally there as a kind of road mm. uh, divider and they could have a kind of backup runway for planes to land right yeah that makes sense which is you know it's very it's very efficient city planning mm, yeah, yeah just sort of mention that right get back to the important stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> then here comes the best part we get to the food market oh. <laughs> with all the stalls we're introduced to them culture in this very amazing way this this brings me on to uh uh it was one of my drinking games uh, my first drinking game which is Drink every time, or well, how how much of this film do you think was funded by the Singapore Tourist Board? Oh sure, yeah, because <laughs> this, <laughs> this one when they're there, it's just a massive advert for like yeah. So there's all these street food vendors, and like they all just make one dish, but they make it so perfectly. Mm. Like this is the best food in Singapore. <laughs> this is the best food you will ever have. 
Singapore. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah. That yeah. scene serves absolutely nothing to the plot, does yeah, it? But it's so good. <laughs> it is it a, makes this, you want to go. That's what, you, that's like, what this. Ah, yeah, this, I agree. I agree with Mel. I think this is what this film does incredibly well. Is it? It does the travel porn and food porn mm. kind of thing very, very well. Yeah. <laughs> it really made me want to go and walk along that street and eat loads of really nice street food. I was like, same. Oh, yeah. I think everyone who watched this now wants to go to Singapore. Yeah. So it worked. It was money well spent. <laughs> yeah. The other interesting thing on the on sort of as an aside to the 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 food market stuff is that Henry Golding speaks uh, Malay mm. at a point in uh, this film. Now Henry Golding is Malaysian, so obviously mm. that makes a lot of sense. But it's a it's a good chance for me to flag up that Singapore is a really fascinating. Well, culturally it's fascinating because the it's a real mishmash of cultures. Singapore there isn't a kind of this is what your average Singaporean looks like because it's a country that basically consists of a whole load of people from China who turned up and settled there, a whole bunch of people who were brought over from India to work as construction workers and servants under the, the British Empire, um, people from the West who have ended up moving there for one way or another, and then, of course, the ethnic Singaporeans who all speak uh, Malay and who are very much drowned out nowadays by the other three groups. So when you go to Singapore... You, I mean, the most popular language, well, the official languages are English, Malay, Tamil. Those mm. are the three kind of official languages. But within that, 30% of the population speaks Mandarin. And then there's a whole bunch of other ones in there as well that kind of just emphasize the fact that linguistically, it's such a fascinating country. Mm. That was actually something I found really interesting about the movie in general was the uh, relationship it had to language because there's a scene where one of the the characters are all speaking in and I, I apologize I, I I can't distinguish between the different dialects but I assume it was one of a Chinese or a Singaporean dialect maybe Cantonese or something um, where they're, they're all talking and then Rachel laughs and then one of the characters said oh. I didn't realize you spoke that dialect. And she said, oh, I don't. I'm just enjoying here seeing you you guys having all this family time. But then there's other points in the film where she's speaking to the grandma and she seems to follow her quite well. And so. Mm. Yeah, I thought they were going to do the joke where she's prepared like one or two lines or sentences mm. to say to the grandma. And, and that's, that's all, all she's and that's got. All she yeah. can speak. But no, that's she equips herself quite well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like. I mean, me, I, I, I only speak English and I'm not very good at identifying languages, so I did not realise there were more than two languages in this film until now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. English and Asian. A yeah. lot yeah. of languages. <laughs> I mean, again, even, even when the Chinese bits are, speak, are spoken, I think it's Mandarin, yeah. mm -hmm. but I wouldn't feel totally confident saying that because there's, there's a moment later when they're in the Mahjong studio thing and hockey in his reference as well. And then obviously, you know, Cantonese is still quite a spoken language in parts of China. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm not speaking with any sort of certainty, but yeah, there are a lot of languages that get thrown around in this film. Mm -hmm. uh, so then uh, Gemma Chan slash Astrid arrives in Singapore, and this is where her plotline really kicks off because we learn that she goes home and hides all her stuff that she's bought ahead of her husband getting home so oh, as not to embarrass him with how wealthy she is. Which, yeah, I agree, Harry. It's a weird, uh, it's a weird practice. And it's yeah. like bad hiding places. You'll notice when you come into the bathroom that yeah. like something is up, <laughs> is up there. Yeah, yeah, they are all really bad hiding places. Right. So why was she doing that? 
Was she trying to hide who she was as well? Because she, her family is, she's super rich, and yeah. her husband is only moderately rich. Yeah. You know, in, in the <laughs> crazy sliding scale of wealth in this movie. Yeah. Um, and it's supposed to be that he feels insecure as a man, and this is what ah, this is the excuse he ah, gives for his affair yeah, yeah, yeah. later in the film. Yeah. To skip, skip ahead. So yeah, to avoid making him feel insecure about the fact that she's so much richer than he is, mm-hmm. she hides these million, multi-million pound dollar jewelry and other shopping things that she's done mm-hmm. just so it's not like in his face kind of mm-hmm. thing yeah yeah and then I, there's uh, our relationship where i've already prepared you for uh, my house husband <laughs> future and i'm <laughs> more than happy for you to find my lifestyle now <laughs> <laughs> and then the next day we see rachel visiting aquafina she oh. used to be well the character played by aquafina pig uh, lynn i think Lin? yeah. her name is yeah one and of, she's Aquafina for all intents and purposes. It's one of Aquafina's best characters, yet her worst hairstyle. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently she was initially supposed to have a different wig in every scene, but then it just got too complicated. So. Oh, that would have been fun, that yeah. That would have been great. Yeah. Oh, that would have I mean, been so good. Like, I will say, I think, like, in pretty much every movie I've ever seen Aquafina in, she kind of walks away with it. She's not yeah. in it very much. She disappears for huge chunks, but mm-hmm. she is, for me, yeah, very much the highlight of the film. She's mm-hmm. very fun. Yeah. What's also insane about this is that we we meet her family and Rachel kind of brings Nick into the conversation. We learn quite how wealthy and well-known the Youngs are. Mm. And this family are not poor. This family are also <laughs> they live in a house made of gold. Extraordinarily yeah. needlessly wealthy. <laughs> and they are looking up and going, "Oh my god, they're so rich." Yeah. Which just I mean to speak about the sliding scale, it really puts into context quite what that scale looks like 100 percent. Yeah, well yeah. i guess that's the point they're making her family is like newly rich where the youngs they've always been rich they're old money so they're like way 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 wealthier than they are but also i mean they were remodeling the house to make it look like versailles like mm-hmm. that's fucking <laughs> expensive yeah and this is where you have like the rom-com makeover to oh, prepare yes. Rachel to go and meet Nick's family. I mean, I do think he should have said something. Like, she would have just shown up in, in a normal dress and yeah, all these people absolutely. in this party my, class. My hot take on this movie is that Nick is an asshole. Absolutely. <laughs> like, so he really should have said something to her, like, on the plane when they're in yeah. that first class thing. Just at, at that point when, you know, there's no turning back. You've broken the seal, li- yeah. Yeah, they're literally on the plane over the sea. Like, it's happening. At that point, he should just explain it then, mm. rather than just not tell her at all, even though she's definitely going they, to yeah, find did out. Did they just sit in silence for the 10-hour flight between you? <laughs> like, you see, like, they would have slept more questions, at some point. Surely. Yeah, yeah she, she must have follow-up questions, because he's just kind of like, she's like, how on, how on earth can we afford this insane, super first-class mm-hmm. passenger seat, ticket for this flight? And he's like, oh, my family does business with the airline, which you know, translates as my family owns the airline. Yeah, like, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I but, mean, it... It's like it's fair enough if you want to hide it, but you can't, well, it's, it's also kind of not. But also, there's no way that he's going to hide it because he's going to go and introduce her mm. to everybody in this, in the biggest wedding in the country. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way she's not going to find everything out. So you may as well just tell her mm. everything. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> may, may, maybe not tell her that. Like, I don't think my mother's going to approve of you. You know, mm-hmm. maybe there's a, a better way to approach that. But. He approaches everything in the worst way possible. It's the classic rom-com idiot plot kind of thing where it's like you just you just have to accept that these characters aren't asking the questions that every normal human being would ask because mm. if they did, this would be a 20-minute movie. True, <laughs> true, yeah. 
But also, like, in terms of the fashion point, which I guess is the particular point we're making around this particular part of the film, if I were in Henry Gordon's situation, I wouldn't quite know what to tell you in terms of, like, what exactly does it mean? Because I just don't know anything about women's fashion. So Mm. I don't know... I mean, and again, maybe I'm just an idiot. The dress that she was going to pick seemed perfectly nice as a dress. I was thinking the same. I was thinking exactly the same. I was like, what's wrong with that dress? Well, see, you guys don't have the class. You're not not (laughs) cut out for that upper upper rich lifestyle. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, and and also, I I don't know. I'd, I'd like to hope that that he doesn't think, he genuinely doesn't believe his family would be uh, snoshy about that kind of thing. But obviously, I mean, it's as we very see wrong, of course yeah. the film, they yeah. are about that very specific thing. You know what I love about uh, the makeover montages, of which there's at least two in this? Mm-hmm. As with all good rom-coms, the makeover montage is just a series of terrible dresses, all for different reasons terrible, mm-hmm. until they finally get the most perfect dress <laughs> in the world. Yeah. Like, there's, there's, there's no... Oh, that one's slightly better. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we're getting there. It's just like, oh my God, that's so terrible for this reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you wearing a dress made of meat? What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it's like, oh, it's the, it's the Cinderella dress. Wow. <laughs> yeah, why was that the last one she tried on? <laughs> <laughs> they have to make the montage work, guys. Yeah, they yeah. do, they do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they can't what? just first one. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> Move the montage on. must go on. Yeah. I also enjoyed uh, Aquafina at this point when she's explaining to uh, Rachel that Nick's family is so wealthy. She, she actually says the line, they're not just rich, they're crazy rich. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yeah, we'll there. get to drinking games later, yeah. John. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, too, I'm jumping the gun, yeah. And like, even when they arrive to the party, it's in this kind of bit of jungle. Nothing in, is signposted. When mm. they start to drive there... Aquafina is like turns to Rachel and says, "Oh, are you sure? Because because Google Maps is asking me to turn around." Mm-hmm. And they have like they meet all these two guards and they're led through and like they see the the biggest house you could probably see on the island and like with all these gardens and I think mm-hmm. even Aquafina says something like, "Oh yeah, that's this amount of um, property. This is how much it costs. This is crazy." I was going to say, Harry, that's what you should do with uh, your crazy rich uh, money. You should pay to get your address removed from uh, from Google Maps. <laughs> I, I live on a terrace. <laughs> it's like a black hole on Google. Just like, it doesn't work. Like just Area 51. Gap in the just road. Like, nothing here. <laughs> <laughs> uh. We then learn in the... Well, we then get to the party and we have the uh, the awkward mum, Nick, Rachel meeting mm-hmm. for the first time. Oh, I have um, to just quickly jump in on a second that you've, you've skipped over. That was my, one of my favourite moments of the film there was when they arrived at that... Oh, the, the dress the pit. Yeah, and Aquafina opens... <laughs> I aspire oh. to this level of preparedness. Yeah. When, when, when she opens up her oh, yeah. car boots and she's got like pre-prepared outfits and they just say, cocktail, clubbing, walk of shame. Like, <laughs> walk of shame. <laughs> walk of shame was my favourite one, yes. <laughs> <laughs> she is prepared for all eventualities. Yeah. And then he goes, you brought a party, a party dress in your, in your car? She's like, I'm not a monster. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that I wonder is, why has she pre-packed a walk of shame dress? You should always pre-pack a walk of shame dress. Come on. What, is, it to, is it to avoid doing the walk of shame? Or is it to do the walk of shame like with such glamour? It's, that... it's, it's, yeah, it's the latter, obviously. Okay. But so what? She's going to take the walk of shame dress. I'm, 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 
I know I'm getting into this. Um, take the walk of shame dress out of the boot of her car and then walk home. Yes. Why not just drive home? Yeah. She's got the car. Because she's hungover. That's why it's called the walk of shame. Oh, she can get the car yeah. later. But then okay, leave the yeah, car yeah. at wherever she was spending the night. Yeah. Well, yeah. she'll come back. Okay. I'm kind of with Harry on she'll this, guys. Send, she'll send somebody. She's that level. Yes, right? yeah. She'll I mean, do the walk of shame. She'll wake up. She'll say goodbye. She'll mm-hmm. get. She'll get into her nice walk of shame outfit. She'll stagger home, mm-hmm. and then she'll send the valet to get the car. She's rich. Yeah. She's just not crazy rich. Yeah. She's yeah. sensible rich. <laughs> now, <laughs> and, 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 another, another thing. Another thing with this. So she gets out this cocktail dress and she goes upstairs hilariously and mm. uh, and goes and puts it on. There's never a, a reveal of what she's wearing. She like, comes downstairs. Like, like, like she, she, she is back later in the party, and we and we meet the the Asian gay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I really wanted to have Aquafina like do the the Disney do princess reveal, walk yeah. walk down the staircase. Sure, that would have been fun. But it's not it's not her movie, is it? So no, no. but it should have been. I know, or, or, I know. or just like some of these scenes should have been her scenes. I know, I know. Because she is the sort of person who, in in this instance, would do that slow walk down the staircase while she makes sure everyone looks at her. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. And then no one would look at her, and she'd be halfway down, and she'd be like, eh, "Excuse me." Yeah. Or something. That's my best. <laughs> that was that was a terrible Aquafina impression. But I was, was going to say, "Is Aquafina from Essex now?" Yeah, she's, she's, she's tending the bar at EastEnders, the old bit. <laughs> Get out of my pub! <laughs> You're not looking at my dress. Get out of my mansion. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course you have the very awkward meeting between Mim, the mum, Nick and Rachel the mum pretty much ignores her to go deal with stuff in the kitchen basically acknowledges she's here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know as any good Asian mum probably <laughs> we <laughs> asked some at mine. <laughs> we asked some like of your friends from Singapore they were like yep yeah, that's kind of what happens that's normal don't worry mm-hmm. well but also this is another thing that i learned over the course of our relationship right is that <laughs> and i don't know if you guys can relate to this there's this thing i've learned about recently called speaking woman in which <laughs> i basically understand that when women have conversations they say one thing when in a kind of ethereal plane somewhere else they're actually having a completely different conversation where what they're saying out loud isn't at all what they mean and this is a classic case of this happening and you see Nick I mean and I would have been exactly the same in Nick's position going oh it's so nice that my mum and partner are getting along and in the meantime you can see obviously from all of the concepts going on that's clearly not what's happening but you don't appreciate that until you get to the point where you understand ah no none of them actually mean what they're saying Oh, yeah, see, I never got that. Mm. <laughs> that was right over my head. <laughs> this is why you taught me well. <laughs> and this is also at the party where we learn that Astrid's husband is having an affair. Mm-hmm. She like she sees some text that she, he's been um, exchanging with somebody else. And she kind of draws the conclusion that he's sleeping with somebody else. It's very clumsy hiding of this affair. Mm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Not I'm, subtle. Yeah. I mean, just put a password on your phone yeah. or Face ID or something. Like, she just picks up the phone, the text is there. Yeah, well, but the notification is, yeah. is there. Yeah. Yeah, not if you've got I mean, a password I guess, on your phone. I guess you can't do much at that point unless he turns off. Harry, you've been married a week and you're already like, <laughs> <laughs> like. Well, if I was having an affair, this is how I'd do it. <laughs> <laughs> Cut this picture. I mean, the other thing you could have done is just. Not had the affair. Well, yeah. To state oh, the obvious. I that, actually, yeah. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> <Sure>. Easy out. 
This is also around the time that we hinted at the offer on the table for Nick to move home and take over the family business, which is kind of an important point because it, it explains a lot of the reasoning behind how Nick is treated and how, well, and also how Rachel is treated over the course of the film, even though obviously mm-hmm. Rachel has no idea about any of this context. Well, this is what he should have told her on the plane. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the way, Han might be moving home to, like, take over the biggest company in Southeast Asia. Bye! Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, again, it really puts her in an awkward position because then she's... They've got all this resentment towards her because it turns out he was supposed to move back a year ago, but he met her and chose to stay. So they blame her mm. for him not coming back. But that she she literally had no idea that any of this was going on. And now she's got to face all of this incredible hostility from this family, and he's totally not prepared for it in the slightest. Which I think is the one part I would agree that he's a bit of a dick about. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I understand him not wanting to say it because obviously he likes he likes being in a position where he can feel ordinary and not feel defined by, you know, his family's wealth. But mm. that does, that particular piece of information does feel really vital to understanding why she's so vilified. 100%. You don't just throw someone into a room with Michelle Yeoh and go, just you know, deal with it. You know? <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> Particularly mm-hmm. because I think, oh God, we're gonna we're gonna keep calling him Gaijin, aren't we? But I <laughs> the think rain- that's what did he call himself? The rainbow, uh, the rainbow sheep of the family. That's what he calls yeah. himself. Yeah, the yeah. rainbow sheep. Okay, well yeah. I think it's rainbow sheep that gives this information in the first place. So for her to mm. not even hear it from him, yes. feels really awkward. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. So Oliver, are you a cousin too? Mm. Well, I'm one of the poor relations, the rainbow sheep of the family. <laughs> But I make myself useful. Whatever the youngs want, I procure. Golden koi fish, Hongwali furniture, mm. a rare Cambodian gong. Why would they want to buy a rare Cambodian gong? <laughs> because they can. And then we get on to the bachelor parties. Oh dear God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, Where do I, I, we I would start like... with these? Yeah, I'd like to just take this moment to uh, to apologize ha- uh, formally to you, Harry, because mm-hmm. I, I thought I threw you a pretty decent stag party <laughs> when I took us on a nice little, little cottage weekend to Sherwood Forest. But I now realize that I failed horribly because I did not, in fact, buy you your own party boat. It, it, it was cute, Jack. Okay. It was cute. <laughs> oh, <thank you. laughs> That's cute. In oh, international cute. waters. <laughs> um, no, my goodness, what a... Uh... What a stag do. It, it really looks like a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think I probably would have, I would, I'd have hated it because I'd have been panicking so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, about a, uh, a, a, bachelor, a bachelor party like that, where like, there are definitely multiple dead women by the end of the night. Oh, 100%, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I doubt there's anybody with any kind of medical training on board. Mm-hmm. Maybe one person, like, in the ship's complement. Well, yeah, they're on international waters, so they're literally in a legal no-go zone. Yeah. And the guy who's organized the bachelor party, this other super rich guy, mm. he's just literally firing a bazooka full of fireworks mm-hmm. in just any direction. Yeah. 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 Which also, for any nearby uh, planes or boats, mm-hmm. that's a, a clear signal of distress. <laughs> like, oh, they're putting flares up. Focusing on the important shit. things, Harry. <laughs> Well, that's the first thing I thought, like, because you see it from, like, far back. Like, mm. they fire off something into the air. And I'm like, oh, this is a twist. The, the party boat's sinking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it just it suddenly becomes Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what's even weirder about it is that 
How do Nick and the groom actually get off this boat? Oh, there's a <laughs> helicopter. Fly. Yeah, because Nick is um, knows how to fly. Yes, which seems like an awfully uh, well, she's an awfully rich. convenient thing to just know how to do. Mm. Yeah, he's well, crazy rich. Like, well, yeah. So it's like those two. They get off that boat and they don't go back home. They just go to like this weird little private island with a little floating barge and just sit and have a beer and talk about proposals. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, when Nick... they get the beer. And, like, did you, and also, did you guys notice where they parked their helicopter? It was balanced on top of a small rock. Oh my god! Really. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they 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 can actually drive a helicopter. Mm. But at this point, because <laughs> this is Nick talking to his best friend who is getting married. Uh, the, the whole reason he's come over to Singapore is because his best yeah. friend is getting married. And at this point, he he pulls out a ring of his own and says, "Oh, I'm going to propose to Rachel today." Yeah. And I'd be like, if I was like the best, <laughs> I would be so angry. I'd be like, "Mate, my wedding. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a week." <laughs> I can, Pull focus. Like yep. that is a huge wedding faux pas for me. That's up there with that scene in Love Actually when that when the best man hires a full brass band to do a prank in the middle of the ceremony. Is it? Yeah. I'm glad you didn't. By the way, I was going to say, can yeah. you imagine if you know <laughs> the, that that beautiful moment when Louise walks down the aisle and you know, like everybody please be seated, rather than me like you know shuffling off to the front row and sit quietly, just went hang about. And just brought in a full band. You know, you'd <laughs> punched me in the face. I don't know, actually. If you'd like full on recreated that scene from Love Actually, I'd have been like, well, it's I enjoy the movie. It's a, that's a, <laughs> a solid reference. Well, I'm sorry <laughs> I didn't do that. <laughs> Let's and not revisit like that old ground. Like the Beatles, it works. Sure, okay. Well, I, again, I apologise for yet another failure on my part. In this <sighs> <one>. <laughs> oh, shit. My mum's uh, parents announced their divorce at my mum's wedding, so you know. Oh wow! Maybe Whoa. this is just you know. Maybe this is just <laughs> <laughs> this is just part of the culture. That that's class. That is that that is like as, as as nice as yours was. That is my dream wedding. Like some proper family job. <laughs> somebody somebody stands up and goes, "Well, we're getting divorced." Like, <laughs> oh, John, you're you're horrible. Meanwhile, meanwhile, dot, back dot, to the job. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> For some more drama. Mm-hmm. We see that Amanda and her bridesmaids and friends went to the beach resort you were talking about earlier. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a spa place. They have this contest of how many clothes can you pull off a rack in five <laughs> minutes. This weird shopping thing was so ridiculous because it's like, so we're going to do some shopping and it's all paid for. And it's like, no, no, you've just brought out some clothes that have clearly been pre-selected. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're not really doing shopping. You're just choosing from pre-selected clothes which ones you want to keep. And also, given there is no maximum or anything, why are you just picking, like, one or two off the rack? Why not just take the whole rack? It's on wheels. <laughs> it's like, I reckon I can, I can wheel two of these at once. These are mine now. You I'm having have... these. <laughs> Harry knows how to do it, right? <laughs> yeah. These, these, I mean, these given what these women do to women who get in their bad books, I don't think I'd be brave enough to take a whole rack from that uh, soundstage. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be one well, of those yeah, people on like Black that. Friday in America, wouldn't you? Just like was like wrestling people to the ground for like a half off microwave oven or something. Like. <laughs> wow, half off microwave oven. I mean, if if it had like Siri integration, then yeah. yeah, sure. If I could just you know tell it with my voice to do things. So then we discover that the one of the girls who was talking to Rachel casually slips in that she's been uh, dating Nick before <laughs> he was dating Rachel. Mm-hmm. And that she's involved with the family business and that they kind of expect Nick to take over very soon. And this is where, like, she's upset. She leaves. She returns to her room. 
and she sees the fish. This is such a shocking scene, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, when did they do it? When? <laughs> and how doesn't, like, the the bride know? Does she know what happened? Did she say, yeah, it's okay, sure, go ahead? Yeah, the bride is, like, very absent from these. Because they meet the bride early on and she seems quite nice. But then... In... I think it's like, we can't make the bride the villain. No, because, sure. Because no. she's going to be the bride at the end and you need, you need to be happy that she's getting married. Yeah. Um, God, yeah, her friends are vicious. Yeah. Like, horrible, horrible women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, she takes it so, like, in stride, Rachel does. Mm. The fact that someone has gutted yeah. a fish and, like, done this kind of grotesque godfather kind of tribute mm-hmm. on her bed. Mm-hmm. And she, it just cuts to her just burying it. And she's like, I'm not going to cause a scene. Like, yeah. She really takes it on the chin. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, those friends are vicious, but they're also really good at acquiring really, really big fish. <laughs> yes. Fish <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, where did they get the fish? Mm-hmm. Well, crazy rich. Yeah. I'd love it if somebody kind of knew they were going to do this, so they kind of brought a cooler with the fish in. It. Already <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You see the whole there's a whole mar- there's a whole farmers market going on, <laughs> just for revenge fish, just like the revenge carp section. Of the- yeah, yeah. I mean, I was quite surprised that this beach resort even had a fashion boutique. So you know, maybe yeah, yeah. maybe they do have a fishmonger's, you know, Probably. somewhere on the campus. I don't know. <laughs> I thought I was here to meet your family, go to your best friend's wedding, eat some good food. Instead, I feel like I'm a villain in a soap opera who's plotting to steal your family fortune. What happened? I mean, I met Amanda. She told me that everyone here thinks that I'm the evil person that prevented you from moving back to Singapore last year when I didn't even know you were supposed to come home. You have every reason to be upset. I'm not done yet. There's also this gutted, bloody fish that Araminta's friends left for me in my hotel room, on my bed, next to the words, catch this, you gold-digging bitch. Written in big, fat serial killer letters. Is that all that happened? I mean, please tell me that's all that happened. Then they come back to Singapore, and uh, after a kind of small chat between uh, Henry Golding and Rachel at the hotel, they go back to Where he's to like, the oh, they put a dead fish in your, in your, on your pillow? Oh, I'm so sorry, babe. That's be so hard for you. <laughs> <laughs> he should Poor be thing. furious. Yeah. On her behalf, he should be so angry. And he's just like, oh, yeah, sorry. They're kind of a handful. Oh, did it really smell? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you chase them with the dead fish. Yes, yeah, exactly. I'm not a Nick fan. I'm not a Nick fan. You keep the fish. I keep the fish. I'm going to chase them with the fish. I reckon I'd have punched someone. Yes. I'm not a violent person, but I reckon I'd have punched. You'd be so angry, yeah. Yeah. I bet none of us came up with having the fish in our sequel pitches. This is a real disappointment. Yeah, that's a good point. It's just a really sad, like, tying with the little mermaid. It's just this poor little fish. We never knew what happened to Flounder. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh no, he grew really long first. Yeah, he got really hench, and then. <laughs> anyway, then we get to the dumpling scene. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, with the Botox, with the Botox gag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> binge, binge, binge. <laughs> What's really nice about this is that even though obviously you're not Asian, you still have when we, you still have a kind of. Eastern European equivalent of yeah. this. That you know how to make so well. Approved by my mum, by the way. So, you know. So this is, to be fair, 
gut tripping family members into making dumplings is, you know, a universal cultural uh, treat. What is it? Dumplings for you as well, or something else? Well, they're called they're called pilmeni, or they're also known as vareniki, uh, or they're also called in Poland pierogi. They're just Eastern European kind of meat or mashed potato wrapped in a kind of flour uh, batter thing. Yeah, the only thing that changes is how you pinch. But it's give or take exactly the same thing. It's exactly the same. And that scene is basically where we learn that the mum has never been accepted by the family. Mm -hmm. That like Mm -hmm. the grandma doesn't like her very much. We learn about the ring, the special ring that she didn't get. (laughs) Do you know, my favorite fact about this, I, uh, I did a little bit of reading up on like the production. So when they were filming the film, Michelle Yeoh was presented with uh, the options for this, you know, this, this big ring that was going to be central to the story. And she was like, no, nah, not good enough. I've got one of my own. And that ring is actually Michelle Yeoh's own ring. Really? Yes. Oh. <laughs> that is fierce. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. So does the Rachel actor now still have that ring? I, I I'd like to hope so. Yeah. I'm sure it went straight back to Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> Yeah, we also learned that she wasn't first or second choice in the eyes of uh, the mum, mm-hmm. which, you know, I mean, again, this is this is another interesting point, which maybe we'll be addressing some of our sequels, that the dad is completely absent from this mm, film. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think the excuse given is he's away on business. Yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. it is it is kind of suspicious and, and I guess potentially also a kind of. A nice, a nice way to tell this story that it's not driven by the men. It's very much driven by the women of this family. Oh, for sure. you know, the mum is acting the way she is, but she's acting the way she is out of pressure for from her own mother-in-law, and that is kind of being passed down generation to generation, mm-hmm. including the "you'll never be enough" uh, mm. kind of side eye line. Oh my god! If, if someone if, if Michelle Yeoh looked at me in the eyes and said that to me, I think I would literally shit myself. You believe it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You'd go, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, I would. I'd be out there. But Rachel is like, no, I'm not having none of that. And we have the second makeover too. Makeover, makeover. Yeah. <laughs> this is the one with the great line from um, Rainbow. Uh, Rainbow. Sheep. sheep, rainbow sheep. Uh, when he says um, th- she's wearing this one, dr- like, like you said, Harry, there's, there's the the progression of obviously inappropriate dresses before they arrive on the perfect dress, and there's the one where it's just this crazy multicolored. She kind of looks like well, I thought she looked like one of those ice creams, th- those little ice lollies that's like you know different <laughs> layers of color, like a fab, a fab, a fab. Yeah, yeah, I thought she looked like a fab, but uh, uh, rainbow sheep had a much better description, uh, albeit quite an offensive <laughs> one, when he said that she looks like a clown's <laughs> tampon. Yeah. <laughs> But it's been a heavy day. It's been a heavy flow day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a line. What a line. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's working or if she looks like a clown's tampon. On a heavy day. Um, so then we get to the wedding, uh, oh. including the, the affair reveal, which I, mm-hmm. I guess is the kind of cl- sort of climax of... Gemma Chan's weird little subplot. Yeah, there just aren't enough Gemma Chan scenes for it to land as well as it could have done. I think that's the problem. She's kind of a side, like a kind of a, an afterthought in the movie. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, we have to talk. We have to talk about the wedding itself, surely, because I have many thoughts on this. Yes. Okay. Guys, please take please take over with your thoughts on this wedding. (laughs) I mean, where to begin? Like this water based. (laughs) Again, how angry would you be if you were a guest at this wedding? 
<laughs> if you, you know, hadn't been told and you, you know, you sat, you've got your best clothes on, it's going to stink for a start. It's going to absolutely <laughs> reek. Well, like, it might be a thing where it only, the water's only coming down the aisle. Yeah, but even so, you've still got to walk out of it. Right? Yeah. Mm. Now, it looked fantastic, the wedding, because there were plants everywhere, and they mm. said they spent like 40 million or something like that. Yeah, I like that joke, because I think we're supposed, like, the, we're supposed to think that the other characters are kind of making fun of the, the wedding and being like, oh, this is so tacky. Like, mm-hmm. And like, they said, oh, they spent 40 million on this. Oh, we're Methodist. Our, our, our top, our limit is 20. Like, 20 million on a wedding day. Like, <laughs> madness. Yeah. But, uh, yes, yeah, so I've got all these plants and it looks fantastic and it looks like a garden. And, mm-hmm. you know, even Michelle Yeoh was like, wow, is this a garden or a church? Yeah. And, yeah, then just before the bride walks down the aisle, they flood the place. Yes. <laughs> and so it becomes less of a garden and more of a bog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's romantic about that? <laughs> and, like, it was cute. And I was wondering, like, okay, so... How is she going to get her way down the aisle? Is there going to be like a little boat or is she going to like, you know, suspend herself from wires from the ceiling and sort of float across like that? No, just going to get a wet dress. She's just going to pull her dress up with these giant she gold... She doesn't pull her dress up. Well, she, she, she does like a reveal where she's got these like oh, yeah. golden welling, wellies on that she just kind of clomps down the aisle in. Yeah. <laughs> I really wanted someone to slip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the occupational hazard. Just someone goes like, whoa, you know, face plants into the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It never really. You're a very you know specific how... kind of wedding guest, aren't you, John? I, I, I am. I am. I am the one who lives for the drama. I can't help it. I'm always kind of using <laughs> things to go wrong. <laughs> Is this a church or a paddy field? They spent forty million on the wedding. Really? That's too much. We're Methodists. Twenty million is our limit. <laughs> no. So then the wedding happens. We get to the after party, and this is where we learn that. Michelle Yeoh has hired a private investigator (laughs) to look up uh, Rachel's story. And this is where we learn that Rachel's mum's husband, I think is what they specifically describe, is alive in Mm. China. Which gives the family the impression that Rachel has been lying the whole time. But obviously Rachel has no idea about any of this. And then Rachel gets really upset and runs out of the wedding. To hide at Aquafina's house. Yes, to, to, to the, the hovel that is Aquafina's house. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this this reveal about the... Uh, do, do they not say that the mother had... Their version of it is that the mother had a child from, a, from a, an affair. And that's the, that's the big scandal. Yeah. So, yeah. But I was, it was really convoluted because I was like, so who's dead and who's alive? Is her <laughs> is, is Rachel's birth father, as in the woman who, sorry, the man who her mother had the affair with, is he still alive? In which case, she should be much more in, invested in the fact that she now has a father. Yeah, I'd feel like that's the takeaway from this story. Not oh, I'm so embarrassed in front of my boyfriend's mm-hmm. bitch mother. But that doesn't even get addressed. The potential that she now actually has a father for the first time in her life, mm-hmm. or is the father dead and there's some sinister stepfather who's who's out there somewhere, also never really discussed again, right? Mm. It's very strange. I'm imagining that's probably a lot of this is dealt with in the books. I wouldn't know. Or maybe it's the kind of thing that will be brought into some uh, sequel pitches to come. Oh, okay. Well, let's let's draw a line <laughs> under it then and right. leave it there until we get to that. Then. Before we move on, I uh, didn't have it ready, but uh, how much did you all appreciate Rachel True's sick burn to her soon-to-be ex-husband? Um, she finishes with the line... It was never my job to make you feel like a man. I can't make you something you're not. Oh, that's that's not oh, Rachel's line. Yeah. That's uh, Gemma Chan's that's line. That's Gemma Chan. Gemma Chan. 
Yeah. Oh, sorry. The, the, this website's quoted it wrong. Yeah. No, it's 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 Chan's <laughs> line, and it's I'm, that's I'm, like I'm, I meant. I knew. I knew. I knew which character it was. Yeah. I yeah. Said sure. the wrong name. It's the it's the last scene of the film as well. So yeah. we're not there yet. But yes, it's a good line. <laughs> is it not in the car? No, it is literally at the end. No. Is it? Yeah. And the in the car, There's they a just separate have a kind of full breakup break scene. Yeah. Oh, they've got multiple. She 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 says multiple sick burns. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. All right. Basically, Gemma Chan's a really good actor, and when she says things, she really delivers them well. That's the point we're making. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, you know, it's not just my fault that things didn't work out. You're right. I shouldn't have kept things from you. Hidden my shoes, turned down jobs, charity work, worrying that it might make you feel lesser than. But let's be clear. The problem with our marriage isn't my family's money. It's that you're a coward. You gave up on us. But I just realized it's not my job to make you feel like a man. I can't make you something you're not. Uh, then Rachel's mum flies out, paid for by Henry Golding, which again, mm -hmm. very nice of him. And you can't help but feel bad for Rachel that this entire film has been context that she really should have been given before this film started that she was never given. <laughs> yeah. What's the time frame with this? I often wonder about this with six, mm. six, where she's, her mother's traveled halfway around the world on... No, has Rachel been sat like weeping and moaning in Aquafina's house for like a week? I, I don't I got think the so. It was, it was like at least a day. Okay. Yeah. Doesn't the mother have other maybe? things she could be doing? <laughs> what, the mum? Yeah. She's a single mother. She works. Yeah, but probably nothing more important than her daughter. Oh, whatever. <laughs> you be a parent, John. Yeah, <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. I got the impression it was about two, three days. Okay. But anyway, then she comes and then she tells Rachel the story of what happened in China, which sounded to me like abusive husband mm -hmm. met somebody else, had a child with this other person who I assume is Rachel and then fled the country yes. because the husband was kind of going to be after her. That was the gist of what I understood was going on there. Yes. It was definitely a bit convoluted, but I, I think I took the same from it. Yeah. And after that, Nick and Rachel, they meet again somewhere in Singapore and he proposes, but mm -hmm. she notices mm -hmm. that it's not his mom's ring or the family ring. And she says, no, because she doesn't mm -hmm. want him to choose between her and his family. And we got to the Mahjong game where ah, she plays. Yes. Yeah, she meets the mum and apparently they play with other players who are deaf so they can just have their conversation. How <laughs> convenient. Convenient, yeah. It's very, very convenient, yeah. Yeah. I got convinced I have no idea how Mahjong works. Mm. So <laughs> like yeah. I was I was like, I'm pretty sure this is pretty intense, but I literally have no idea. Yeah. And she's like I holding mean, one piece, and like, is, is she like, about, the fence? Is she about to win or what? <laughs> but again, this is one of the things that I think is so impressive about the way that this film is made: is they could very easily, for kind of pandering to a Western audience purposes, have made it a more Westerny game. You know, they could have Chess. made it, you know, I mean, a, it's not Monopoly, yeah. or Monopoly. A gin run, they really you know. intense around of Cluedo, yeah. <laughs> Well, but, but you know, they, they could have made it a game that was more understandable to a Western audience. But instead... Well, chess, they... chess would be the classic one, especially when it's like... Um, 
you know, when somebody's the queen. And yeah, that would have been a bit too on like, the nose, I think. Which yeah. personality are you? Oh, I'm a rook. Yeah. Checkmate, <laughs> Michelle. Yeah, <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> I mean, Listeners, if any of you out there think you're a rook, please write mm-hmm. in. Because <laughs> I don't know the rules of Mahjong. I was really just like, I had no idea who, what was going on, who was winning, who'd won. And she's holding this piece and just sort of fondling it. I'm like, is this the winning piece? Yeah. Has she got it? Is it like poker? What's happening here? And she put it down and I was half expecting her to go, Mahjong, and then just walk away. Does <laughs> <laughs> that how Mahjong games end? You just say Mahjong. <laughs> like, well, I think like, like chess. Like chess <laughs> okay, sure. Or uh, Uno. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go fish, you Michelle. Say, yeah. You don't say Uno when the game's over. You say you down to a card. <laughs> anyway, the point that I make is I think it's an indicator of good filmmaking because we don't actually mm. know what happened in that game. But mm. we do know that there's this really important scene going on and the dialogue allows us to get to kind of parallel for the game to kind of parallel what's happening in the conversation and for us to feel like we understand even though we don't. She might have been putting that hand down at the end and have lost really, really badly. We'll, we'll, we'll never have any idea as to exactly how well either of them did in that game. But we can go away with our own impression as a result of the way that they uh, scripted and then shot that scene, which I think is really impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, then Astrid has the full breakup scene. This is the one you were referring to, the, you know, I can't make you feel like more of a man one. Mm-hmm. Astrid, the, the, this husband is very confusing because for the entirety mm. of the film, we seem to see him skipping skipping events, missing out on opportunities to spend with the family and, and with, you know, the, the kid and the wife and all that. And then all of a sudden, as soon as it's like, okay, they're breaking up, he seems to feel really concerned about getting his, uh, his visitation rights in, which mm. really confused me about exactly what the motivations of this character were. Yeah, yeah, I think confusion i think basically um i liked how i mean well clearly by uh gemma trans making he thought that he was really that he was the rich one because like when she says like well you keep this apartment because you bought it and he's like but where will you go mm-hmm. where will you live like you've got nowhere else to live where because you know this this is the apartment that i let you live in and then she just like oh well i've got 14 apartment blocks i'll probably stay in one of those yeah. <laughs> i'll be fine <laughs> Wouldn't we all like to be in that position? Just like, oh, she's perfectly, she's more than capable without me. Okay, (laughs) cool. It must really reinvent the whole, I'm going to sleep in the spare room or I'm going to sleep on the couch concept. Oh, I'm going to sleep in my uh, apartment, (laughs) apartment block. My luxury penthouse. I'll sleep in the spare skyscraper. (laughs) After that, we see Rachel getting ready to leave. She gets on the plane and we have Nick who follows her. And like they try to have this conversation and all these people on a plane try wants them to rush and interrupt them. And he finally says like, oh, yeah, I need two minutes with this girl to propose. Again, if I was a passenger on this plane, I would be incandescent with rage at this point. I'd be so angry. (laughs) I would love to see your own time. Get the fuck off my plane. (laughs) (laughs) Like at least wait until the plane takes off. And then it's a bit of entertainment. Like you could have hidden... And then, you know, in, in midair, then you've got nothing, nothing's going on anyway. You've yeah, but then what are they going to do about the party that's being thrown in, you know, in the inevitable and in the inevitability that she's going to say yes? Yes, exactly. <laughs> the privilege. Yeah. I, mean, I guess that like, 
you know, they're not holding up the plane. Are they not? I don't think the plane's waiting to take off because of that. Like, surely that. What about when they get? What about Rachel's bags? They're gonna have to like take them all off again. Like, she's fully loaded on. Oh, what did? Or did they? Oh, they got off the plane after this, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, def- uh, this pla- this right. place is definitely yeah. getting delayed. Fair. But <laughs> then he did have to do it before she got on the plane. He or, didn't or, though. That's what he could have done it before she got on the plane. Uh, proper before. Yeah. Like, run through the airport sort yes. of thing. Oh, yeah, we, we could have done with a running through the airport scene. Rom-com's not quite complete without it. So, True, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Nick al- is an arsehole. But also, who is this person who <laughs> became the mum's best friend? I know, in, yeah. In, in this scene. That's like, the person, the unrealistic traveller who's just like, oh, I'm so happy for you. Yes, well, so no, yes. No, 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 that's, that's not unrealistic. Like, if yeah. somebody proposes and it's a somewhat romantic, a, a very rom-com proposal and she says yes like you're gonna cheer you're gonna get into it maybe this woman has nothing else to live for she lives for this proposal <laughs> but why but why it is we then cut to her and like her and the mother have got their arms around each other like they're old friends like who's this maybe she's like the mum's version of aquafina i guess yeah she also had a friend and yeah she's hooked up with yeah yeah because yeah like there's, there's so many characters in this and everyone's got a friend and mm-hmm. like i'm really struggling to keep track of everybody it's like game of thrones mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh yeah then this one comes up and like this, this person is nothing to me should i know this person was yeah. she getting it from the start i don't know anyway and this time when he proposes he has his mom's ring mm-hmm. the green one so like mm-hmm. she sees that she has accepted her that it's kind of her she gave him her benediction and when Rachel says yes she knows she's not gonna take him away from his family Mm. and this is why he had to do it before the plane takes off because then they have the big happy ever after party on the which would have been so depressing if she said no (laughs) yeah (laughs) which 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 also like I wouldn't have wanted to like in her position I wouldn't have wanted to go to that party these are still people who left dead fish in her bed these are horrible people yeah like there's a couple of people that she would want to spend time with like uh, Orkafina and and family sure yeah minus that creepy brother yeah oh Um, I mean yeah we didn't really (laughs) talk about him no but uh, just hold on on that one second Um, (laughs) like like Michelle Yeoh just so they can have you know, that sort of reconciliation hug, but mm. they clearly don't want to spend an evening together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, they share one look and then Michelle Yu just runs away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much it. Mm. Like, other than that, she didn't really form any relationships that were positive with anybody. No, it's a room full of bitches. Yeah, like most people she actively hates. Mm-hmm. Like, including like the grandmother, who I thought was going to have some sort of redemption at some point. Never, no, she's a never monster. Yeah. No redemption from that, from that grandmother. <laughs> I thought she was going to be like the friendly one that we liked. like. Who know, gave the, Michelle Yeoh a bit of a dressing down at the end. Yeah, yeah just say no. so like, well, I accepted you, Michelle Yeoh, so you need to accept her. Like, mm. no, nope, not at all. The, the grandmother was the worst of all of them. Yeah. Still a I bitch. Mean, I thought that was good because <laughs> it was less of a cliche, yeah. But yeah. I, I know what you mean. But yeah, we didn't talk, just briefly, we didn't talk about the uh, the brother of Orkafina, oh, yeah. or who, who in, there's this, in that really touching scene with the mother, when she flies mm-hmm. out and they, she tells her sad, sad story about how she's had like, mm-hmm. you know, she, she had a child at a wedlock and she had to flee the country and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they, they hug it out and they're hugging and crying and it's lovely and they're lying on the bed together, mother daughter, it's great. Yeah. And then there's this, this chubby pervert just like <laughs> leans in, takes a bunch of photos on his on his iPhone mm-hmm. and, they, and he's like, I'll email them to you later. And then he like, shuffles out again and they both just like burst into laughter like, oh there's a, there's a pervert in our room oh, how charming like ridiculous bizarre he was the most bizarre character he was yeah yeah um he was funny but yeah. he, he, he was funny in a i hope everyone watching this realizes this is just a movie and this isn't okay yeah. behavior mm. <laughs> i still think the most bizarre character is that best man that planned that bachelor party 
I mean, he's That's... up there too, for sure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Before yeah. we move he on to... He has to end up Bef... in prison, right? Into a water drink. <laughs> yeah. Before we move on to drinking games, I um I want to offer the disclaimer that we, two of our best friends are Singaporean, but they're Singaporean Indian. And they would mm-hmm. be remiss if we came onto this podcast and didn't mention that to a lot of Singaporeans weren't, uh, well, to a lot of Singaporeans just full stop, they really, really don't like this film. Not because, mm-hmm. you know, there's anything particularly wrong with it, aside from the fact that it depicts Singapore as a nation and Singapore as a people, as basically, you know, they're all just super, super rich. And they're mm-hmm. all, you know... Um, I mean, everyone in this film seemed to be of Chinese origin, which was another point. Mm -hmm. So before we end this plot summary, it's just worth saying Singapore is a really fascinating, diverse, interesting, uh, exciting country. This friend did an episode of Passport People on Singapore. So if you would like to find out more about uh, the country and what it's like, please go to that and realize that this film doesn't quite tell the whole story on that. Well, this the... message was brought to you by the Singapore Travel Authority. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, a good segue from that, because I think we're pretty much done with the plot summary. So before we get to Drinking Games, Finn, do you want to use this moment to just talk about your, your show? <laughs> oh, go on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I have a podcast called Passport People, where I talk to people from around the world about the places that matter to them. John and Harry have already been on and did a fantastic episode on Leeds, which I highly recommend mm-hmm. you go back and take a look at. Uh, we're gearing up for season five at the moment, which should be out about the time you are hearing this right now. So look at Passport People wherever you get your podcasts and there'll be something interesting there for you. <laughs> nice. Fantastic, yes. And we'll, we'll add a link to that on our episode uh, blog as well, so on the website. Cool. So, all good. Thank you very much. So, shall we move on to uh, drinking games? Yeah, sure. So, first one I got, which I already mentioned, is drink for anything that might have been funded by the Singapore Tourist Board. Sure. Or just drink for travel <laughs> porn, generally. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, there's not just the food market, but there's all the amazing architecture that's, that's, that's out there. All these super, super expensive, rich buildings and constructions. And mm-hmm. it looks fantastic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and makes me want to go. Same. Very much so. <laughs> like works, big shots yeah. of beaches and mm. these crazy parties and... Hey, it looks fun. I, w- I, w- I want that life. I can't afford that life. <laughs> no, yeah, not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Move to Singapore. I think I could before, John. No, just... no, but it's definitely out of the question now. <laughs> <clears throat> Maybe you can. I don't know. Yeah. Do you guys want to go with some drinking games? Or? Uh, okay. Uh, drink for every time the family is mentioned. Oh, yeah. The oh, young, you... young family. Yes, the young family. <laughs> like, if you drink every time their status is mentioned... <laughs> Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. Big time, yeah. They're like the royal family of Singapore. Yeah. 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 Probably richer than our royal family. That's probably one of the jokes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I had, this, is, this one's quite specific, but I had drink for ablighting. <laughs> did, you, did everyone else notice this? <laughs> this is when I realized, okay, this movie knows what it's doing. This is a very self-aware movie. There are so many sequences when either Henry Golding or Gemma Chan's husband mm-hmm. are like sh- just conveniently shirtless. And the, the lighting on the abs is like literally, it happens more than once where they'll be stood in front of like a lamp or a window <laughs> and they'll be like perfectly lit. So there's like a little window of light just shining directly onto their abs. Mm-hmm. Really, no really one was complaining. <laughs> no, no, no complaints. I just thought it was really funny. <laughs> 
Um, I've also got drink for when anybody makes or eats any food. Oh, yes. Again, just drink for food. Mm. You're just listing off all the porn here. So just, first you had travel porn, now food porn. Yeah. And food porn. porn. Yes, yeah. I know. Property porn. Yeah, property mm, porn. Yes. A lot Definitely. of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, drink, this is a good one I've got. Drink for any time the word crazy, rich, or Asian is said. And if two oh, of them are God. said at the same time, drink twice. Right, that, that is absolutely. very dangerous, but yeah, absolutely. That's a very good one. That would be productive, yeah. Um, <laughs> I had drink for clunky exposition or dialogue. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a lot of that in this movie where they're like, but you know, he's, he's the second cousin of the richest man in China. Like, there's just lots of stuff that people just say that's just like, not the most natural in the world, but... Drink whenever Rachel and Nick kiss. Okay. Do they kiss a lot? It's not, it's not too much okay. for a drinking game. <laughs> not excessively, but enough, yeah. sure. Okay. <laughs> This is for one if you only want to get tipsy, but not sloshed. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, often I say ridiculous things like drink whenever someone speaks or something like that. And it's just... <laughs> you can tell when Harry's having a, less, a, a bad, a slow week. Yeah. When... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had, we had a uh, drink for every time the inadequacies of Rachel are referenced in one way or another. Mm, when she gets so like, you're not uh, good enough, oh, like... she's not a god enough for name, anything like that, drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she really goes through it in this movie, and I think she handles herself very well. Mm-hmm. Here's what I found quite interesting um, drink for musical stings, as in there's lots of like pop music in this film. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. I really enjoyed it. I loved it, but I thought it was really interesting that they were, I think, all, if not almost all, if not all of them, were like Singaporean or Cantonese or you know, cover versions of Western pop songs. Well, I think it's the theme of this of this film. This it's kind like, of culture clash kind of theme, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was obviously a choice, but I thought it was quite mm. interesting that they had like yeah, because there was yellow and um Material I call play. Girl. Material Girl, mm. yeah. There's loads, there's loads all through the movie, but it's not yeah, it's not I'm like falling in love with you. Yes, it, it's not like you're not hearing uh and I yeah, I wondered if it was and maybe Finn, I don't know if you would have more of a perspective on this than I would, but um I wondered if that was like a comment on this kind of the way that they're super wealthy, that they're so wealthy and was not supposed to take it. Sometimes was, I think the film wants us to like judge them a little bit for being a little bit crass maybe, or a little bit, you know, ostentatious and this kind of how they're trying to be like, how do I, like it's like they're using, they're so wealthy, but they're trying, they're, they're trying to live like this picture of what, of what wealth should look like. And it's very much based on Western ideals. Like there's a bit where Aquafina's family when they're in her home, which is like covered in gold, and there's literally a Donald Trump joke. Yeah, it's like, oh, we bought this, we we, we got the design from Trump hotels. You know, like I, I wonder I if like the, the gag about pop- there are hungry kids in America. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like <laughs> I just wondered if like the the, the use of West, or maybe it's not. Maybe it's just it's just that's just how it is in Singapore. There's lots of Western pop stuff being covered by local artists. But I just wondered if that was like the use of the West of Western pop music was like some kind of statement about you know how it's in some way trying to replicate western culture rather than like being authentic to themselves kind of thing if that makes sense well yeah i mean i don't want this podcast to run over so i'll give a very potted history of singapore as a country because it's very different to Mm. indonesia and malaysia in that it was specifically founded to be a free port the reason that singapore is as wealthy as it is was the british empire decided we're going to make singapore a tariff-free port so anybody Mm -hmm. can come with their stuff and they can trade it And that is what has allowed so many kind of 
business people and tradespeople across history to kind of come to Singapore and spend a lot of money there and end up making it their home. And this is why Singapore is very much defined as this sort of mishmash of cultures, because you had uh, Chinese sailors who would come and settle down with local women. You'd have British officers who would settle down with Indian people who were brought over from India to, to build some of the buildings there. You know, it is, it is this kind of mishmash of cultures. And even after it went independent, you know, that was very much the kind of line it, it continued and still continues to this day to, to take, is that it's not traditionally Asian. The things that it understands and the things that are, like, very Singaporean are things that are international, are things that are, are global. And therefore, you know, as much as there is a lot of uh, Indian and Chinese cinema that comes in, there are also a lot of uh, of Western influences as well. Because in the same way that Hong Kong you know, by nature of having been part of the British Empire for for over 100 years, you know, it doesn't feel totally British, but it does have a very British feel, you know, into certain parts of it when you go. Singapore is exactly the same. So, yeah, well, I think I think that explains it. it it's, so it probably was it this kind way, of somewhat It's more choice, likely though. to embrace Western ideals and take them a lot more to heart as their own than Malaysia or Indonesia would. Okay, that's interesting. And a lot of them uh, are bangers as well, so... Exactly, exactly. Great soundtrack. Uh, drink for anything where you look at it and go, oh, God, that's too expensive. Where you're just like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for anything you can't afford. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you drink for everything you can't afford, you're going to be drinking through the whole movie. Yeah, oh, see, that's a, that's a Harry drinking game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but okay, let me rephrase it. Drink for any time you're like, I will never, ever be able to afford this. Ever mm-hmm. like I I can't even aspire to being at this level of wealth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they're, they're spending more on sing, on like the, the wedding that's like forty million. You know, they're spending more on a single day, which is very true. I'm sure, I'm sure, like for example, people like Kim Kardashian or various Trumps and Murdochs spend that much money as well. And any celebrities, really, you know, they're spending more on a single day than any of us probably combined will earn in our entire lifetimes. It's mm. it's it's just it's it's crazy. It's crazy wealth. Crazy richness. And we have one last one. It's mm-hmm. drink every time you have a mean, mean girls episode. Like where they. Ooh. <laughs> yes. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> they are mean girls. They're very mean girls. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, my last one is drink for a fabulous costume change. Oh, yeah. This is yeah. film. This is, this is definitely, you know, it's definitely a, a rom clump. Waterfall for, for the montage shots. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Waterfall for the montage. But it, the, cost, the costumes are. Probably one of the strongest points about this movie. It, it's very, very eye candy-ish. So, yeah. Harry, do you have any more? Or are you all nah, done? I don't. I'm done. Cool. That's Great. Us. Shall we move move on to the sequel section then? Yeah, let's do it. Um, do you guys want to go first or do you want us to go first? Sure, we can go first. Um, go ahead. So, do you want... Should I do one plot line and you do the okay. other? Okay. Do you want to do the, the yeah, wealthier one or the poorer one? Okay, you do the wealthier one, I'll do poorer. <laughs> okay, so... We, our sequel is called Crazy Rich Asians 82, which is kind mm-hmm. of a okay. bit of a take on, on the This Is England uh, films. And basically we're taking a lot of the storylines that feel quite important to the original film, uh, regarding the parents specifically, and we're taking it back to when those parents were exactly the same age as these characters are now. So... We're going to flip between the two stories, and half of it, which Melanie is going to do, uh, is the story of Henry Golding's parents, 
And the other half is the story of Rachel's parents. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Henry Golding's parents, we know they met at Cambridge, both st- studying law. And we kind of see them in, living in Cambridge and what it was like to be Asian and to live in Cambridge at the time with the hints of racism in daily life. And he eventually, we suppose he's older, so he eventually graduates while she's still studying. And they've been dating for around a year, year and a half, maybe two years. So they're like, oh yeah, okay, this is, this is becoming serious, so we're going to go home and meet each other families. From what we understand, they both live in Singapore, so um, maybe they go home like for holidays. When they do, the dad's family pushes other girls onto the dad, like as, oh, this is more suitable for you. So we mm-hmm. see the mom, she's trying to be more kind of perfect. She's trying to fit the ideal that the grandma has for her son. But unlike Henry Golding, we, we've decided that the dad would be more tempted that like you kind of see that it's it creates tension. He might not be able to resist. He's like it's his family, so he might break under the pressure and just like goes and chooses somebody else. But then he finally like asks for the ring. But the mom she overhears that the grandma's well his mom said no. Yeah. So um. She's kind of like, okay, this is it. There's no point. She breaks it off and goes back to England, to Cambridge, to study. And we see the dad following her. And eventually, like, I think, what did we say? He kind of meets her at the university. And he proposes with that ring he had designed for her. And commits Mm -hmm. to standing up to his family. And this is where she says, okay, I'm just going to drop out. I found a husband. I'm going to commit to the family and they move back to Singapore. Yeah, yeah it's it's very much uh, the the dad making the decision that Henry Goulding didn't. That actually I'm oh, going to go back to yeah. Singapore and this is the life I want. And, you know, please come with me as part of that. So it's and, kind of like the road not taken kind of compared to the road that Henry Golding takes. Yeah, exactly. Like we wanted okay. we wanted this story to have a lot of parallels to the original, but also to be a little bit different in terms of the decisions that some of the characters made. Um, any yeah. questions on that one before we go to the other side of the coin? No, sounds good. OK, yeah, let's go on to the next one. So while this is going on, because we're going to as a film, we'd kind of imagine it flitting between the two plot lines at given points so that we see the kind of okay. the contrast between the kind of massive wealth that we're seeing in this mm. plot line and then the uh, very much lack thereof in this other plot line, which is the story of Rachel's mum. So mm-hmm. we, we start Rachel's mum's plot line as a friend moves... Rachel's, like, friend from, like, a while ago moves in as the neighbor to her and her husband. And the mum kind of recognizes this and goes, ah, oh, that's nice. The mum and her husband's relationship, it's it's been good, but it's gone sour over time. Like nothing that's particularly driving it. We're thinking maybe the employment situation in communist China is a little bit kind of better at some points and not so good at other points, which also kind of gives us a kind of indicator of the time. He drinks a lot and she feels quite lonely and isolated 
in a place that she isn't very familiar with. Because the other thing that we've decided about this is that this place that they're in in China, it's not her sort of hometown. It's very much the husband's hometown. Mm. And maybe she moved because she had to get out of where she was living and find work. But she's ended up coming to this other place because she's settling down with her with her husband now. So when the friend comes, it's quite a big sort of like, oh, wow, this is so exciting. Here's somebody I know. There's It feels familiar. So the friend and mum get to know each other again. Um, and they get to know each other and they reconnect while seeing this city. So we see a lot of these shots of them in this kind of small Chinese city seeing the place. You know, maybe some food market shots, maybe some nice building shots. And we see that their relationship is really beginning to grow. And they start an affair eventually, but they're very mm-hmm. secretive about it because the mum's husband is abusive. The mum's husband definitely wouldn't like that. It'd be big problems if he ever found out. So she and him very much try to keep this affair as secret as possible, um, which is further complicated by the fact that the mum and the husband are actually unsuccessfully trying to start a family. Because one of the things that's really been a problem in their relationship is they haven't been able to get pregnant. And Mm. this is something that she has taken a lot of the brunt for, but it's generally created problems in their relationship. But then, as a result of the affair, the mum eventually gets pregnant. And the husband is really happy about this because the husband thinks, oh, this must be my child. But the friend, on the other hand, who she's having the affair with, is absolutely racked with guilt and feels terrible (laughs) and feels awful and thinks, oh, God, you know, I can't do this. This is really, really bad. And so the friend decides that he wants to tell the husband and then he eventually goes and he does tell the husband. But as soon as the mum has clocked that the friend wants to tell the husband that this is what's going to happen, the mum secretly, without kind of telling anyone exactly what the plan is or where she's going, packs a bag with kind of her basic stuff and leaves and heads towards the port and gets on a boat and travels to America, which is basically where that story then picks up. So that's those two plot lines make up Crazy Rich Asians 82. And the other thing about that that we wanted to say casting wise is that like the original film, we want to bring in a whole new fresh batch of young, talented Asian actors. So we'd like to imagine that nobody will know these people pre the film being made but that as a result of starring in this film with the crazy rich asians brand on it that they'll become household yeah. names much like a lot of uh the actors in the original have begun mm. i can tell this is one of those films that obviously it's a series of books but i can totally see this like if they ever get that second seek that first sequel off the ground that mm. there's been producing for a while this could like it is one of those things that could like really run and run i could see this being like a tv show for example like I think that there's so much plot in there that you could pick up on and take away, and it, as you say, it could give a real platform to you know a, a group of actors who often get short shrift in you know white dominated Hollywood productions. So mm. yeah, I think that I think that could really work. I mean, I really 100% good. see it as a TV show. Yeah, definitely. I'm surprised that hasn't been kind of mooted yet, but yeah, yeah definitely. Very good, very good. Is that it then? Yeah. Yep, that was Crazy Rich Asians '82. Fantastic, I love it, and also anything that set is set in the '80s. 
is uh, you know, <laughs> that, that, that's got some. Yeah, John Sullivan. I, I don't know what Singapore '80s fashion was like, but I'd like to. I'd like. I'll get like a, a load of like Singaporean um, cover versions of like '80s synth pop songs. That'd oh be yeah, really great. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm well up for that. <laughs> but that's so. but that's one of the things that I, I think would be really nice to see is the same kind of bright, exciting, vibrant shots that we see in the original translated mm. with a little bit of kind of clever set design and costuming into wealthy upper class 80s singapore and also mm-hmm. really really downtrodden 80s chinese city i yeah. think that contrast and seeing them together in the context of the original would work really well yeah absolutely i think that's a great idea fantastic okay mm-hmm. shall we move on to our idea yeah sure cool so for our idea we kind of looked at this original film and one thing that really jumped out at us was that it's very much a cinderella story there's definitely a Cinderella vibe to Rachel's narrative, how, you know, she's she's a poor girl and she's brought into this very rich family that she's not doesn't necessarily belong to. She encounters a lot of opposition. She but, the end the end of it, she runs away from a party in a blue dress while holding her shoes. I mean it's all there, yeah, it's all there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I'm glad you guys got that. Yeah. Ah. Uh, the fairy godmother sequence. No, yeah, but no, how many she gets times have you seen that film without clocking Three or four. that? is her fairy godmother i mean i mean surely the the rainbow sheep is the fairy godmother it it it, yeah okay well maybe both of them (laughs) yeah but like it it does literally get mentioned a couple times like they they reference like um like the audi that aquafina drives is orange yeah (laughs) wow and and i think they refer to it as as, as a no she'll turn into a pumpkin after midnight or something like that Mm. um and then the 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 rainbow sheep does call her cinderella at one point or someone does Mm. um so like I clocked all these little sort of ties to Cinderella, and then You're like blowing my mind, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought that we'd uh, sort of dig into that a little bit, um, and uh, so we've we've called this one "Crazy Rich Disney Tropes." <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah. John, if you will. So the framing device for this, the, pro- the it's going to start with like a prologue is that it's going to be picking up after the events of the original film. And it's actually the Rachel's about to get married to Nick. It's like the eve of their wedding. And Eleanor, Michelle Yeoh's character, has decided to finally make peace with Rachel. She realizes now that for all of her scheming, she can't stop this wedding. It's going to happen. And she's kind of come to kind of respect Rachel for how kind of plucky she's been and for the being such a worthy adversary. So she decides to finally make peace. And she does so by revealing her own backstory. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, the, so that that's going to be the prologue, and then this this sequel is going to kind of flash into a prequel, and it's kind of going to tell the story of how Michelle Yeoh herself, as is referenced in the original film, how she kind of came up from quote unquote nothing, how she came up from a kind of a humble background to fall in love with a rich multi billionaire Singaporean, and then join this elite family and kind of in, ensconce herself in, into this elite family, and we're going to do that via the medium of a few Disney movie tropes. So, um, Harry, do you want to go first? Yeah, okay. So do, do I read out these titles at the start of each paragraph? or like at You, the you end can choose reveal? when to reveal when you think. Because okay, cool, cool, cool. then I, I, I'm hoping Finn and Mel can maybe help, help us to throw in a few more references here and there if, if possible. Ooh, so. goody. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay so uh, we've, we've, we've got a few... We, we, we've picked a few Disney films and they make up a few paragraphs each, um, a, few, a few sections of this story. Uh-huh. Um, 
and uh, yeah, so you can see if you can work out what, what we're talking about. So the first... not subtle, so it'll be pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the flashback starts 30 years earlier. So she's a young girl who manages to get a scholarship at Oxford University. This is Michelle Yeoh's character, yeah? Yeah. Could still be played by Michelle Yeoh because she is ageless and immortal. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> um, she has no money and has to work incredibly hard to pay her fees. She takes a job as a maid for a notorious billionaire playboy with a bad reputation. He is initially very intimidating. But over time, she sees his softer side and they fall in love. So clearly that's... Um, can you guess what Disney movie we've gone for there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beauty and the Beast, yeah, absolutely. There we go. This is fun. But the blocker to their marriage is his domineering mother who refuses to accept... A, a commoner into her family. And this is obviously the grandma who, because it, it's revealed in the original movie that um, the grandma is just was just as reluctant to accept Michelle Yeoh and didn't think she was good enough. So obviously we're going to touch on that a little bit. Uh, so yeah, she try as she might, Eleanor can't bring herself to be accepted and respected by this crazy rich family. So in all, but she does love this man, this, this, this beast that she's fallen in love with. And so what she does is she hires a crazy rich consultant to help her to kind of transform My Fair Lady style. I know that's not a Disney movie, but uh, she transforms My Fair Lady style from kind of a low-born commoner into the poised and elegant society lady that, uh, you know, we see before us in the original film. And um, her mother-in-law is very impressed by this, but she still won't accept the marriage until Eleanor plays her final hand. She reveals that she's pregnant. Now, the mother-in-law is absolutely furious, but she is also backed into a corner because if her if her son has a baby out of wedlock and that becomes revealed, that's a huge scandal at this time and she can't afford the scandal. So she reluctantly agrees to allow the marriage to go ahead. However, she has one final condition and that is as soon as the baby is born, the baby belongs to her. Ah. So, so what's that one? That's Sleeping Beauty. No. Is it not? No. It this is a bit of a stretch. Well, it's kind of, well, we're kind of, this is kind of, it's more of my fair lady thing initially, but then this bit, the idea is that basically she's had to give something very valuable of herself away, a part of herself, if you will, away in order to gain access to this oh, wealthy family. So it's kind of the little mermaid, yeah. But That's a, that was more of a stretch, that one. In Into the Woods, you have this exact, like, plot line. <laughs> yes, the, you're right, I didn't think of that. goes and asks for the baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... It, it, yeah, I mean, a lot of these tropes repeat, but yeah, basically that's the idea. She's had to <laughs> yeah. trade something it's kind very of valuable, point, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, uh, to yeah, and so she has to give her baby to the grandma as soon as it's born, in order for the marriage to be accepted, which she reluctantly agrees to do. So then the the grandma she locks Nick away. The baby is Nick, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, she she locks the baby baby Nick away in the tallest tower of her palatial <laughs> Singapore mansion, and Michelle Yeoh never gets to see him. Over the years, he's raised as the perfectly wealthy bachelor, but he's restricted to a very sheltered life, and Michelle Yeoh is very rarely able to visit him. So, I mean... Whilst Henry Golding's yes, hair keeps going longer and longer yeah, and longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We weren't sure whether to go full Rapunzel with that. I mean, I, was, I definitely wanted to give him a little ponytail. Yeah. At least. <laughs> oh, I would pay a lot of money to ask Henry Golding to grow his hair out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so then I'll just because that one was short yeah short. you go ahead yeah. Um, so then he's raised as this perfect rich young bachelor with perfect manners but what he really wants 
is to be a real boy and see the world. (laughs) 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 Michelle Yeoh secretly helps him, but never tells the grandma. Maybe Michelle Yeoh could be like the blue fairy in this one. Like she can kind of sneak into the the mansion and like give him opportunities to escape and like see the world a little bit. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically what we're thinking is that the story could, so Michelle Yeoh had somehow manages to orchestrate Nick's escape from his grandma's clutches. This is when he's come of age. He's like 18. And then he goes to, he flies out to New York where we kind of meet him. So he's spent his entire life in this very sheltered, wealthy environment uh, has never really had an opportunity to like see the real world. So now he comes to New York and he's completely a fish out of water. Um, he doesn't know he doesn't know how to handle himself. He doesn't really know how to exist in you know without his cushion of wealth and privilege. Uh, but he manages to meet and fall in love with a scrappy young New Yorker from a single parent family called Rachel, uh, and she shows him around and teaches him the ropes. But he's always too afraid to tell her how rich he really is. So it's always kind of a bit of a mystery as to why he's so naive about everything. How he doesn't really know how to how to just manage his day to day life. So he's never able to quite explain that to her. But nevertheless, she accepts him and she teaches him how to live life on kind of a non-mega rich budget, which includes going to a lot of cheap family restaurants to eat, uh, where they eventually fall in love over a nice big bowl of spaghetti. <laughs> I was which like, which share. one is this? Uh, <laughs> which is It's kind of a, ah, I'm thinking it's like go. a gen, so it's like a gender reversed lady in the tramp where she's, quote, well, it sounds a bit offensive. She's the tramp, basically. You know, she's the, <laughs> she's the, <laughs> I don't mean it in a like, pejorative way. She's but like, the tramp. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what Michelle Yeoh would have said. But like, you know, she's the street smart, you know, lives on the streets of New York kind of girl. And he's, he's, he's lady. <laughs> he's, he's the posh one who's been living in a little kennel of his own making for the past, for his entire life. So, um, And that kind of brings us to this, back to the start of the original movie, really, because we, we, we end with them falling in love. And, uh, you know, that's where we are at the beginning of the actual movie Crazy Rich Asians. Do you think there's any other Disney tropes we could have worked in there, though? There's still a lot we didn't really touch. I'm trying to think about it, actually. Mm. I definitely feel like there's there's a Snow White one to put in there, where maybe before he meets uh, before he meets uh, Rachel, he meets seven uh, seven New Yorker friends <laughs> who, are, who he gets seven along with really well because they're his they're his heights. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I mean, that, 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 Asians it, who don't it, like the short stereotype, but it's true. I was just going to say, yeah, it, it's walking a thin line of, uh, of offensiveness, <laughs> but I think we can just about survive that. Yeah. Um, no, I like, that's good. Yeah. Maybe he like start, maybe he starts going out clubbing a lot in New York, but he's so naive. He doesn't really, he, he could also, he could almost be like, um, the princess from Enchanted where, you know, he's just so completely naive, but he's stuck in this very like, very, you know, New York quite an intense place to live, even if you're not, even if you're not like a secret prince. But yeah, maybe he like goes out clubbing and someone spikes his drink and he ends up in a coma, and uh, only only a true love's kiss from Rachel can wake him up. <laughs> but instead of like a glass coffin, it's just like the ICU unit of a New York hospital. <laughs> I mean, or or maybe it's if we wanted to bring that same trip back to earlier in the film. It can be that maybe, I don't know, somebody from, I don't know, from one of the rival families or maybe like a a jealous relative wants Nick out of the picture and so sends someone Mm. to kill Nick in the tower. But then actually he, the person that's sent can't do it and says, you have to get out of Singapore 
and that's the reason that uh, that he leaves. Oh, that's good. So yeah, the grandma, maybe she's the wicked witch from Snow White at this point. Yeah, she she tries to have him poisoned, sends a yeah, sends an assassin, maybe like one of the cousins. <laughs> sends maybe rainbow it, sheep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sends rainbow sheep on a, on a, on an assassination mission. But yeah, doesn't have the heart to do it and helps him to escape to New York. Nick, that's you're great. in danger. Like <laughs> yeah, you're in danger, girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, can we get Whoopi Goldberg into this? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like that's unless you've got any more that you wanted to add to that. I mean, I thought that was excellent, guys. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> that's oh, an amazing range of Disney tropes that you've managed to sew into uh, what is still quite a cohesive storyline. Yeah, I, I think co- crazy rich Asian people call us. Call yeah. us. We, we, we can franchise this. Yeah. Um, great. Yeah. So that can, that's our, that's our um, crazy rich Disney tropes sequel. Mm-hmm. Shall we move on then to listener submissions? Go for it. Just got a handful this week. Uh, so... We have some that we can sort of contribute as well. So once the listener submissions are oh, done, fab. We'll, do, we'll, we'll submit our own listener <laughs> submissions live Oh, have you done air. some like quick fire ones? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay, ones. that's fun. Okay. We've only got a handful this week, so that, that should work nicely. So um, Kate McGregor said, uh, do the book, because Kate's obviously read the book. She said, do the books. In the books, Rachel's father is also revealed to be one of the richest people in the world. Mm-hmm. So she ends, I think Rachel in the in the second book ends up being richer than Michelle Yeoh. So it kind of, she one-ups her. Um, and then for some reason, there's a bizarre murder subplot where Michelle Yeoh tries to have Rachel poisoned. Ooh. So these what? these books sound like that they get very, very soapy as it goes along. Yeah, That's that very Snow White. That is, yeah. Maybe maybe we, we really caught, caught onto something here. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so that's one. Just do the follow the plots of the apparently increasingly insane books. Uh, Rob Bennett said, "Crazy rich Cajuns." It's the same story <laughs> set in the world of super rich Louisiana Republicans. <laughs> like that. Yes. Everyone, everyone's got like giant mustaches and says like, "I say, I say, I say." <laughs> <laughs> Andy Smith said, "Crazy rich Australians." I definitely watched that movie. So they're all like, crazy rich, but in Australia, <laughs> what could be funnier than that? And Julio from the Contrarians podcast at Contrarian Prime, our dear friends, had said, this franchise writes itself. Crazier rich Asians, the craziest rich Asians, rich Asian, rich Asians asylum. <laughs> Meanwhile, what poor Asians were up to. Middle class Asians have problems too. And the dramatic season finale, tax season. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Very well good, played, really, Julio. So well yeah, played. those were our listener submissions, so... If you have some as well, then yes, okay. Yeah, fire them over. Do you want to do that one first? So we have crazy brocations, where we crazy brocations, <laughs> where we see Rachel and Aquafina's college years, and how Rachel teaches Ooh. her how to live like an American on a budget, like an American student. And as you said, I like like it. You mentioned like oh, not everybody drives sports cars, or not everybody goes to the fancy restaurants, and we have like Aquafina, a bit. Like, oh, yeah, but I have the money. Why would, don't we just go there when she's uh, she wants to live like a normal American? Mm-hmm. Uh, we Very had a good. sequel uh-huh. that followed uh, Astrid's life following the divorce, which we dubbed Crazy Rich Asians, The Bachelorette. <laughs> like it, like it. <laughs> nice. We also have Crazy Rich Mini Asians about Rachel and Nick's <laughs> children. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that's cute! <laughs> Crazy rich tops. Crazy rich tops. They have to go through as you know, 
heirs oh, wow. to such a wealthy family. And then, and this is a nice, this is a nice political note to end on. We have crazy poor Europeans. The same story oh, as crazy no. rich Asians, set in a post-Brexit town which was pro, which was uh, <laughs> uh, anti-Brexit, but received European funding and is now worse off. Sorry, pro-Brexit. Oh. Pro-Brexit received European funding and yeah. is now worse off. Crazy poor in Europeans. The ruins, yeah. Crazy poor Europeans. They're all <laughs> of themselves. Yeah. 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 Very, very good. Okay. I like it. Um, is that all of them? Yeah. Yeah. That's us. Fantastic. Well, thank you everybody for for sending in those uh, those listener submissions. If you did, uh, we ask for your listener submissions every week, a few days before we record, by putting posts on Facebook and Twitter where you can post your ideas. So make sure you like and follow our pages if you don't want to miss out. To listen to more episodes of Beyond the Box Set, you can subscribe and browse our back catalogue on any podcasting platform, including Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and many others, on all of which you can also leave us a review if you so wish. And uh, I guess it now falls to us just to say thank you very much to Finn and Mel for this fantastic, picking a fantastic movie and being such fantastic guests. Mm -hmm. This has been a really fun one to talk about, so I think you've chosen well. Uh, any final words, anything you want to plug or I know you've already done your little, uh, passport people plug, but feel free to do it again. It bears repeating. No, I, th I, I think we just, well, I, I think I speak for both of us where I yeah. think we want to take this time to say thank you to you guys because we have Aww. spent many a train journey, <laughs> many an evening cuddling up on the couch, uh, listening to beyond the box set. There are so many wonderful episodes of this series and it is a crying, crying shame that it's coming to an end, but you have given so much to so many of us listeners, more than you guys will ever know. And um, yeah, we're really, really, we're really, really grateful not just to have come onto this uh, podcast and to have been able to, to share uh, this film and Moonrise Kingdom from before, but um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for inviting us into the Beyond the Box set family. And um, yeah, this, this podcast, uh, we're going to miss it. Oh, that was so sweet. Thank you. That that that, that was a good. You were, you were a good choice for our, for a guest for one of our last guests. So uh, <laughs> thank you for that. That really does mean a lot to us. And your your check is in the mail. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. <laughs> that was all lost in post. That's that, I'm, I'm editing that right out. That's getting caught. That, that's that, that's just waffle. That's not making this. Yeah. No. Fantastic. Thank you guys. That really does mean a lot to us. And uh, so yeah, we are wrapping up. We are coming to the end. Um, I believe if we stick to the schedule we have planned, this will be our episode 248 or 250 that's right which means next episode is 249 i yep. can count yeah. um which will be my <laughs> last ever pick uh yeah i believe so so next week harry I, i've been saving this uh -huh. until the very end it's a film that me it means a great deal to me uh if you don't like it i'm, I'm well there's no stakes because we're ending anyway but uh, <laughs> we'll see um i think it'll be fun to talk about either way though uh, uh, uh next week we're going to do a little film called and uh, on a similar not a on a not dissimilar theme to this one in some ways, another wedding-based film. Mm -hmm. We're going to yes. do next week a film called Muriel's Wedding. Yes! Oh, lovely. Yeah. Oh, yes. A classic. My, literal <laughs> my actual favourite film of all time. So. <laughs> Good. That is uh, well earned. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I really wanted to save that for a special occasion. And what could be better than the penultimate, penultimate episode? So Absolutely. Fantastic. So thank you once again, Mel and Finn, so much. It's been an absolute treat, and we will definitely... If not on this podcast, we'll meet again on some. Maybe well, I'll probably cross paths on some Eurovision-based thing, but we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll find a way to collaborate again for sure. So yeah, uh, it's been great. It's been great to have you on uh, both times, mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, it's been really great that uh, that you guys have been uh, our highly likely final guests. Yeah. Oh. Um, so I'm gonna cry now. <laughs> oh, don't cry. <laughs> 
Right, great. Well, in that, we'll see you next week, guys, for Muriel's wedding. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for thanks for listening, listeners. Bye. Bye. Right, so these people aren't just rich, okay? They're crazy rich.